0: Can I pray for us? Jesus, you are what we need. We we truly do need your presence. And so, Father, as we open your word, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are starting a new series today, uh, and that series is called Love Expressed. Now, you may or may not know what that's about, and I promise you I'll explain it to you. Uh, but, but I wonder if when I say this word, and this is a word you've probably heard, the word is worship. Like when I say that word to you, now literally, what comes into your mind? Like anybody, like when I say worship, what comes into your mind? Singing. What else? Sundays. Praise. Anything else? Hands up. Stop. He's just, he's just reading off of the screen. There's always, there's always one. And they're always in the front row for some reason. I don't know what that's about. But see, the thing is, it's like when we hear the word worship, we think of all kinds of things. You know, some of us think of things that were expressed in people that in the crowd here, or the audience, or the congregation, I should say. But I wonder what you think of. I know what I think of. I know there's words and images and ideas and thoughts that come into my mind. But the thing that I've noticed is that sometimes when we say the word worship is that there are ideas that come into our brain. We have things that thoughts, ideas come into our brain, but it's really interesting. It seems that most of the time, people have a hard time of actually telling you what it means. Like, you know, you have thoughts and ideas and things, but it doesn't necessarily lead you to a concrete kind of, this is a definition, this is something that we all can agree on. Because isn't it true that in our world, we seem to be able, we're not doing a great job agreeing with each other, right? Right? And you throw in any topic, you know, throw it in the arena and see what happens. But it shouldn't be so as it relates to worship. Like if you're a follower of Jesus today, and I'm not assuming you are, I'm just saying if you are, then you should be able to express what worship is. And there should be some kind of uniformity to that simply because the Bible has expressed what it is. And we should not be confused. And so my heart, as we go through the next few weeks, is that we would have a clear idea of what worship is and what it isn't. Because I'm here to say to you today, I've seen some worship, or what we call worship, that actually isn't worship. Now that's a scary thought. It's a scarier thought if it's in the church, even. If it's in your heart. If it's in my heart. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, if, if we're literally worshiping and we think, what we're doing is worship but it's really not that should kind of be unnerving that should be concerning because I don't know about you but we live in a culture that kind of lives in this world of like well whatever feels good to you whatever you think whatever you do whatever your preference is whatever your personality is come on and we define what is real quote real by that and friends I think that's scary I think that's troubling that the Bible has clearly spoken about this matter like this is not a gray area this is a very black and white issue that the Bible has told us and said this is what it is this is what it looks like do that so we should never be confused and so my heart for us as we walk through this series is that we would not be confused that we would be clear as to what worship is and what it's not because I don't want the church to be confused I don't want you to be confused but frankly, I don't want to be confused. I want to know. And so when there's the, the pop quiz and somebody says, what's worship? You can actually say what it is. Like it's just simple, straightforward. This is what it is. All right. Wouldn't that be good? I think that's what we're all going to get as we go through this series. But I want to start with the series verse. Perhaps you've heard this verse. This is in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. But listen to these words, and these words are from Jesus. He's speaking to his disciples and he's speaking to groups of people, and he says simply this idea. He says this in verse 30. He says, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Now that's pretty straightforward. Matter of fact, it's pretty inclusive, it's all encompassing, it's pretty clear, it's complete, it's not incomplete. Jesus is very clear about what it means to love God, what it means to be a follower, what it means to love him the way that he wants to be loved. But the thing that I've noticed is sometimes what happens is we absorb and we grab hold of things that aren't what this is. Like we, we start to, to, to define it differently. And, and quite frankly, I think in the world that we live in today, it's probably the most confused it's ever been. Now, I could be wrong. You know, that's a massive statement. and You probably could refute me or whatever. But that's just my sense of it. Like, I I have this sense that worship is very confusing right now to people and what it is and what it isn't. And so I just want to make sure that we can bring some clarity to it. But in order to bring clarity to it, we have to look at some whys. We have to look at some half-truths. We have to look at actually what's being peddled out there that doesn't necessarily fall into the category of worship. And let me ask you this question. Who would be interested in you being confused? Uh, yeah, you, you're, you're getting it. It's, it just popped into your brain. Well, it must be that enemy guy. Yeah? Whether you call him Satan or Lucifer, or the devil, or whatever. You know, I get it. I know that's kind of scary and a little concerning. But, but, but let me ask you this. If there was one being that had interest in confusing the people of God, who would it be? It would be him. And so that's the thing we have to understand is that we actually have someone working against us and that someone is interested in making you believe lies or half-truths. And I say half-truths because sometimes it's kind of true it's kind of true. You know what I'm talking about. It's kind of true, but it's not all the way true. It's not full truth. It's, it's kind of incomplete truth, but it's truth, but it's just, and so it looks real good, right? It looks kind of pretty. It's like, oh, you, you look around and you're like, okay, I think that's okay. I think that's okay, but then you open the hood and you notice it doesn't have an engine. You see what I'm saying? And that's the important thing that we've got to see is that there are a lot of half-truths out there that we've got to deal with. And so I want to do for just a few minutes is talk about some of the lies and half-truths that I see in our culture and in our world and even in the church. Because see, the enemy is busy and he has all kinds of interest in keeping you from worshiping God because he's really not happy about the fact that you are. He's just not happy about it. Now listen to this. This is in John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8 verses 44 through 44. Listen to this. The Bible says about Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. That's pretty clear. Like no truth. Like not any. No, none. So like when he shows up and he's like, hey, I got the truth. You could say, no, you don't. Not even a little. Not even a a smidge. No point zero 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 one percent None of it. He's a liar. The Bible goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, it says, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. It's, It's actually a part of his character. And the Bible says, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. So he's not just a son of lies, he's the father of lies. So he's the originator of those lies. If you think back to the story, if you think back to Genesis... He was the one that was originated the doubt. He was the one that originated the doubt. And so, the Bible's very clear about who he is, what he's about. And if you know anything about his story, you know that his goal was to compete with God for God's glory. That's what he wanted. He wanted people to see that God was, was all about himself and really... And really, what what, what we all needed to understand is that God was just selfish and and self-focused and and full of pride. And what what, what the world would need and what the world really needed was a new person. And he was going to be that new person. And he stood in there and he said, this is what's real. And everybody said, no. And then there were a few that said, yes. And it led to this real problem. And ever since, he's been trying to get us to compete with God for his glory. That's why it's so scary when you're on the throne of your life. That's why it's so scary, because what happens is is you're really looking for the worship. You're looking for the worship. You're looking for the worship. You're like, wait, wait, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You are. When you put yourself in a position of being on the throne, that's what's happening, It's the same thing the enemy did. And so we've got to examine this and look at this. And so I've got four things that I think are half-truths and lies. And the first one is this, and you've probably heard it. It was the opening to one of the most famous books in our time called The Purpose-Driven Life. And it opens up, the book opens up with this great statement. You know what it is? It's not about you. It's not about you. Isn't that a great way to open a book? I love that. Is that It's not about you. And so the lie is, is that worship is about you. <gasps> now, I know this is hard to swallow because there's two kind of things, like you hear that and there's two things. Like you're like, hmm. Well, I know that. But I really am kind of a big deal. <laughs> now, you wouldn't say that. But with your preferences with your tastes, with your opinions. What happens is we actually say we don't believe that, but then we function completely different. And you know what I'm talking about. If you go to church and you like it or you didn't like it, did you get something or you didn't get something? You know what I'm talking about? I didn't like that music. I sure didn't like that smoke. What is this, some kind of bar? I like some shiny lights. You don't need shiny lights in Jesus' house. What's going on? I get it. And the truth is, you probably don't need shiny lights. I mean, I'm not saying you do or you don't. I'm just saying that's the expression of our worship, right? And so what happens is we either like it or we don't like it. We prefer it or we don't prefer it. Or we have opinions or tastes or whatever. And we all do. I do. You do. Sometimes, I mean, I love our worship team. There's probably sometimes I'm like, eh, not my favorite. But does that mean that I'm right? No, doesn't mean I'm right. Because the question is, is not, is it what I like? It's about God. It's about, is God being worshiped? Is God being glorified? Is, is God being lifted up? And so you could have some people that are out of tune. Yeah? People who are out of tune and can't sing a lick that are actually worshiping God. And it's pure, and it's loving, it's honest, it's beautiful, and the whole group would be like, that sucked. (laughs) Yeah, come on. Yeah, you'd be like, oh my gosh, did you hear how out of tune they were? (laughs) And you miss it, because you think it's about you. Do you see what I'm getting at? See, that's the scary thing that we live with, And so here's the thing you need to understand is that worship, here's the truth. Because again, we have to replace the lie with truth. Here's the truth, is that worship isn't about us. It's for God. It's for God. It's it's not for us. Now, I know that's hard because the whole American idea of the church is that somehow we go, we enjoy it, we leave, we feel good about ourselves, we go home, we talk about it, it's awesome. Now, I know that there's an element of us getting something from, from worship. I get that. But I think we got to be really concerned when worship becomes about us. And it's not about God. It's not about His glory. It's not about Him receiving what is rightfully His. It's a concern, isn't it? Lie number two that Satan is peddling is that worship is really a private slash individual matter. Worship is a private slash individual matter. Now, here's here's the reality. I mean, this is the truth. It's yes and no. Like, the Bible teaches both. The Bible teaches the importance of individual worship, but the Bible also teaches the importance of communal worship. Now, this is what I've seen, though, is that when I'm out there talking to people, the thing that seems to go first is the communal side of it. You know what I'm talking about. Like, people are like, I can worship God anywhere I want. You, You've heard it. When I, Oh, I can do it on the mountain. You know? I can do it in my car. I can do it. I can do it. Yes, you can. But here's why it's a half truth, is it's incomplete. Because, see, the Bible teaches that it's both. The Bible teaches that it's both individual and personal, but it's also communal. That we need both in our life. And and dare I say that if we're only doing individual, that what we're doing is incomplete. And if it's incomplete, then it's not worship. Now I know saying that, people are like, are you saying what I'm doing is not worship? No, I'm saying what you're doing is kind of worship. I'm saying what you're doing is half worship. I'm saying you have an incomplete picture of what the Bible teaches. And so you have to understand that the Bible teaches both individual and also communal. And so individual is I am practicing, I'm maturing, I'm feeding myself. See, this is what happens. Go back to the other thing of individual worship. What I find is sometimes people come to church, they do the church thing, they sing, maybe they stand there, they absorb by osmosis, the Holy Spirit, whatever it is, and then they leave the church and they never mature themselves. See, that's a scary thought too. And so the rest of the week, they never pick up the book. The rest of the week, they never feed themselves. Do you know what a mature believer is? A mature believer is somebody who's learned to feed themselves. That's what it means to be a mature believer. You're a self-feeder. If I could get everybody in this church to be a self-feeder, can you imagine what we would be doing as a church? Can you imagine what our worship would be like? Can you imagine that everybody from... Uh, Monday to Saturday with self feeders can you imagine the spiritual power that would come in this room on Sunday do you see what I'm getting at you see it? and I know this is convicting and a little hard because you're like well I'm kind of doing that and I'm kind of doing this but here's the thing for it to be worship it has to be both it has to be both so that's one of those half truths that the enemy's peddling and then here's, here's here's the third one that I think we have to see lie number three is that worship is different for everybody Now, I know that that's a really offensive statement in our culture. Because it seems like, wait, what are you saying? That that I can't worship the way I want? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Not because you're bad, but because the Bible has shown us what it means to worship God. Not you know what I'm talking about? Like if you came to me and say, Pastor, I'm I've decided I'm going to worship God like this, and so I've got skittles, and I've got some SOS pads, and um, a scooter, and I'm going to put it all together, and so I'm going to ride my scooter, scrub myself with a Brillo pad, and eat skittles. (laughs) It's worship. What am I going to say? First, I'm going to say you're a little nuts. But just because you said that's worship doesn't mean it's worship. And so we have to understand that the Bible is clear on this matter. If we are going to be people of the book, then we have to read the book. And the book tells us what worship really is. And so I guess in some ways, worship is different for everybody. So it's yes and no again. It's yes and no. It's different for all of us. We all have different personalities, different ways of connecting, different pathways, different. You know, we get it. I get it. I mean, some of you are introverts, some of you are uh, extroverts, some of you are noverts, you know. <laughs> lifeless sometimes. I don't know. But the Bible says that we're all unique, but the Bible's very clear in explaining that worship, what worship is and what it isn't. It's just clear And so what happens is We may experience worship differently So when I preach Or the team sings Or whatever it is We have communion You might experience that differently than I do So like let's say you come to a time of communion And that's like meaningful And you, you, you connect with it You experience that And maybe your experience is like You feel the flood of God's love And it's just a beautiful thing And His grace and His mercy And you feel that Right? And then there are other people that maybe aren't as strong of feelers. And they come to that and they hear it. They hear the words of the gospel. They hear, hear the rationale for what happened. They see what Jesus did. And through their reasoning, somehow they experience communion, but they experience it different than the person that was feeling it. Does that make sense? And so it's a different experience, but communion is still the same. Communion is still communicating the same thing. We are called to participate in it, to to be a part of it communally. And then from that, we gain all kinds of things. And so see, I know, I know that what happens is sometimes our preferences can limit our experience of the Father. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes our preferences will limit us from experience all that the Father has for us. Isn't that true? So if God says do this and we don't do it, then we're going to not experience what he's asking us to experience. Now, if he says do this and you say okay, I'm going to do this, then you'll experience what he wants you to experience. And if you pick 3 and there's 12, well then I guess you have 3 experiences, but you don't have the rest. Does that make sense? Because all of the activity of worship is designed to help us experience the Father in new and fresh and different ways. It's all important. It's all part of God's plan. And so, if, the, if, if for example, if you're, if you're a singer, like everybody singing and love to sing, oh, you love to sing. You come in and you sing and sing and sing and you love to express yourself and you dance and all the stuff, right? But then when 21 days of prayer and fasting come around, you're like, eh, that seems really boring because I want to express myself, right? Because that's what worship is. I want to sing. I want to sing loud. I want to, you know. And so what happens is not saying that your singing's bad. It's good. And you connect with the Father through it, and that's good. But if you limit yourself and you don't experience prayer and you don't experience the discipline of fasting, you will then not experience the things that God has for you. Does that make sense? now he still loves you you're still a son or a daughter of the most high God but I don't know about you if God says here's the here's the list here's the things that you can experience and says come on why would you just pick a few now let me ask it again why would you just pick a few well I think the reason we pick a few is because we're uncomfortable with the rest And so we say no because we're uncomfortable and friends. I got to just be honest with you God is not concerned or he doesn't even care really if you're comfortable or not because comfort Isn't going to help you grow You being stretched being uncomfortable is actually a thing that's going to help you grow And so if you always reach for what you know Then you'll never be able to experience the things you don't know and experience the father in that arena do you know what I'm saying? So important that we get this. This is important. And so worship isn't just about what I want. It's not just about what I do. It's about more than that. And then finally, here's the last lie. Here's the last lie that the enemy tells us. And it that is that, that worship is something we watch. <laughs> worship is something that we watch. And matter of fact, I'll go a step further here and say that I think it's gotten worse. I think it's gotten worse, and I think it's just because when we where we've been as a as a group, and what happens is we watch, we watch, but the reality is is that we're not participating. We're not participating. We we're watching, but let me just say this to you: worship was never intended to just be watched. Worship was never intended just to be watched. It's something that God wants us to what? Participate in. Now, so here's the truth. It's yes and no again. (laughs) Because see, technically, there are aspects of watching. Like right now, some of you are watching me. And as long as I stay animated enough, you won't fall asleep. Yes? And so, so you're watching me. Now... If I'm preaching real good, there's a few of you in the room that might be like, amen. Right? Come on, pastor, that's good. If my son was here, he'd be like over in the back room, be like, come on, come on. I love that kid. <laughs> shouting his daddy down as he preaches, come on. But I, I, I would be doing that, and then the, some of you may be shouting, maybe not, you know, maybe you just staring at me. And some of you, I wish you'd smile. I mean, I really do. I mean, like the whole time I'm preaching sometimes, I'm like, are you that, are you upset? Like, is what I'm saying really that, you know? I mean, I'm looking at all your faces up here. And then sometimes I look out and some of you are like this. And don't think I don't see you. If you've fallen asleep in church, I've seen it. So it's not, it's not, to be watched. Matter of fact, I, you know what will help you not fall asleep in church? Say amen a few times. Just say amen. You'll be all right. Just say hallelujah. Glory to God, pastor. That's amazing. Woo! Next thing you know, you won't be tired anymore. You won't be tired at all. See, God, God calls us to not just watch, but he calls us to participate. You know, I was, I was thinking about a word this week that... I actually didn't like it as a kid. Like, as I grew up and became a pastor, I hated this word. But you know what? You know what I hate? I hate when the older generation was right, but you thought they were wrong. Like, as a young person, right? And you, so you get there, and you're like, Dad, gummit. they were right. So, like, for example, when I was growing up, you would call worship a worship service. Right? I don't know if you grew up in that time, but they'd say a worship service. And I thought that was weird. It's like, what are you talking about, a worship service? This is a worship experience, right? I mean, this is a worship encounter. I, mean, I don't want to have just a service. But the thing is that, 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 that as I think about it more, and as I think about worship, is it actually was said for a reason, that I'm actually here to come serve God. I'm here to minister to the Father. I'm not here to get what I want. I'm here to serve Him. I'm actually coming to worship to give something, not just take something. And so they they had it right. So for all you traditionalists that are listening today, you had it right. I'm sorry. But I'm still not going to call it a service, I guess. So it calls us to participate. And listen to this. I want to share something. And I thought this was fascinating. Listen to this. This is in Revelation. the, the, The last book of the Bible. And John is writing to some of the churches. And now if you know any of that, there are churches that he's writing to, some of which were doing a good job, and some of them weren't. Right? And so he was speaking to them, and he's actually affirming this particular church. But listen to this. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, he says to this church, but this is in your favor. So he's saying, you did good. He says, you hate the evil deeds of the who? Nicolaitans? Now, I don't know about you, but have you heard of these people? I, I don't know. Most people are like, I don't even know what that means. Who, who are those? Who are, the, who, who are they? Well, scholars believe that this was a a group of people, uh, and they do this based on what the word means, okay? Because there's two words that are put together, and it means something. And so this is this is what they believe, because see... Some scholars believe that the first part, which is Nike, or where will you get the word Nike? So all you with your Nikes on, didn't even know it was biblical, did you? He stole that from the Bible, he did. But Nike means victory. It means um, a defeater, if that makes sense. And so, so, so Nick, the, the first part of that word means victory, victor or defeater. Then the last part is Laity. You ever heard of that word, laity? Like in, in traditional churches, that's what they called you. There were preachers, pastors, and laity. That's how they, 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 that's how they differentiated around people. And I'm not even saying that's right. Matter of fact, I, I'm going to suggest next week that it's not right. But, but my point is, is that you have the people, and then you have the defeater or the victory. Now, if you put that together, what do you see? Well, you see a philosophy of ministry that strips the priesthood from the people. Because next week, I'm going to talk about how you're a priest in the kingdom of God. Like, you're literally here to minister to the Father. Like, it's important you get this. But, but, but here's what I'm saying. And so, so there's this philosophy of ministry that somehow the, the, the people don't have what they've been given. They, they've been defeated. And so he's saying to them, man, I'm proud of you for not letting that happen. For not letting this division come between the people. For not being oppressed Oppressed by a thought or an idea that's not from God. Do you see what I'm getting at? Because in this world today, you see it all over the place. You see it all over the church. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't roles and places and positions. And so right now, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I do those kinds of things. That's my function. But the thing you have to understand is that the Bible never separates you from me. We actually are part of the same group, same team. We might have different function, but we never ever have the right to say that's something pastor does but I don't. Think about that. Now let me ask you this. If that takes hold of the church, what does it do? It kills our potential. Because if you guys are counting on me To do all the work Well then we're going to be limited in our reach But if I get all you guys to participate too Can you imagine what we could do? Can you imagine how we could worship God with our lives? Oh it'd be beautiful and that's one of the things that the enemy tries to get is that you sit there and you just experience and you come to the show and everything and you don't participate or you become a spectator and God says to you, no, no, no. That's a lie from the devil. Your job is to be a part. Your job is to usher in the kingdom of God in your house, in your city, and your world. Come on, Are you go with me. That's what God wants for us and that's what worship is. That worship is not something I just come and see. It's something that I participate in and watch God do the miraculous and so here it is in a nutshell if you're wondering what the big idea is for this entire series here it is you're like I know what worship is I've got it I'm gonna write it down I'm gonna marinate on it and so the next time someone asks me what worship is here it is big idea for this series is worship is always love expressed God's way worship is love expressed God's way Now, did you notice what I said there? It's love expressed. It's not just some love that sits. It's love that, it's action, yes? So it's love expressed, but it's love expressed God's way. Not your way, God's way. And that's so important that we see. Because isn't it true that if it's true love, if you love God, wouldn't it be true that you would express that? Like, I mean, seriously, if you love God, which I'm assuming most of you do, you're here for a reason, that true love is always expressed. True love is always expressed. Because, I mean, here, think about it for a second. Put it in the context of a romantic relationship, all right, if you've ever had one. If you haven't, there's still time. I love my wife. We've been married 21 years. At the end of this month. 21 years. Amen. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, people. Come on. That's unique. Um, what if I never said to my wife, baby, I love you. What if I never said that? Look, like I just be like, shoot, she knows. All the women in the room, you cool with that? No, you're not cool with that. Because again, what is love? It's love expressed. Like if if I don't express my love to her, and not just in ways that I receive love, but in ways that she receives love, because it's servant-hearted, if I don't learn to do that, then wouldn't it be fair to say that maybe, just maybe, I don't love her? Or that I don't love her the way she wants to be loved? I mean, I think that would be fair. And so we know that love, if it's love, is expressed. We know that. And so when I say love expressed, it means you're expressing it. So coming to church is a part of an expression, right? Showing up, that's part of an expression. But it means that it's an incomplete expression because God has all these other ways that he loves to be loved, that he's defined, and you don't get to. (gasps) Do you understand what I just said? Oh, my goodness. So he gets to define how he's loved. You don't? No. I thought you said, what? Yes. It's so important we get this. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about him. And so we have to, he's Lord. I submit myself to you, Lord. Whatever you want, however you want it, I'm doing it. If you like lasagna with no onions, I'm in. Because that's what you want because I'm here to serve you I'm here to love you with my life the other thing is is that true love is always expressed but true worship is always expressed listen to this in Psalm 33 1 through 3 stay with me this is so good let the godly sing for joy right so you see it it's an action sing for joy and all the singers in the room were like yeah it is fitting for the pure to praise him Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Isn't that cool? The lyre. I think it's like a, is that like a harp? Yeah, like a guitar harp. (laughs) Titus, can you go get a lyre? Yeah, it's a, see, Titus says it's a guitar harp. a A little smaller. He says, make music for him on the ten-stringed harp, oh, that's that's. Brrrring. Verse three: Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp, and sing with joy. Wow, that's expressive. I mean, there's it's demonstrative. It's it's clear. It's action-oriented. There's nothing about that scripture where you get through that and say, "Well, I guess I'll just do this." Nothing. Now, I know I'm picking on some of you that are a little more reserved. I get it. I love you. I love you enough to say, don't let your personality stay in the way or get in the way of you experiencing all of the Father. I love you enough to say that to you. And I'm not even saying don't change, I'm not saying change your personality, be who God made you to be, but stretch yourself. Stretch yourself into things that you've never experienced. Here, I've asked Chad to help me. Chad, come help me. I've asked Chad to help me, and he has no idea what's about to happen. He really did ask me. He was like, can I know what we're going to do? I'm like, no, it's fine. You're going to do fine. And so Chad's going to help me. And so what I want Chad to do is I just simply want him to express himself, okay? Just just express yourself. And so I'm going to tell you what to express. And so I want him to be able to express himself, all right? Hey, come back over here. And so, Chad, for everybody online and everybody in the room, yeah. uh, and I want you be demonstrative, okay? Yep. So, so I want you to express sadness. That's your sadness. That's really good. I mean, he—he's got a tear. He's got a tear. He must have taken acting classes. Now... It was the onion and the lasagna. It was, yeah, yeah, it's good. Now, express to everyone and everybody online that anger. What do you mean? Oh! Come on! That's anger. It's ridiculous! Yeah, it's anger. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Now, express happiness. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! Come on. Yeah. We did it! Woo! <laughs> look at his face. He looks so happy. We did it! Woo! Now, express to the crowd confused. Like, what, what, what am I doing here? Yeah. It's like, like the, do like this. <laughs> right? Yes, he's confused. Doesn't he look confused? <laughs> I mean, when I look at Chad, most of the time, I see confusion. <laughs> poor guy. Poor guy. Now, give me not happiness. Give me joyfulness. Ooh, ooh, that's good. Do you see what he did? He, like, he related it different. It wasn't, it, it was, he was thankful. Like, there was, he connected spiritual with joy. And I, I think that that's important. But that was good. Really good, man. Well done. We done? No. Oh. Now, this is the biggest one. Oh. All right. The Cardinals win the World Series this year. Yeah, we did. It! That's it. Woo! No, let's start over. The Cardinals win the World Series this year. Yes. Woo! Yes. Yes. All right, get out of here. Give Chad. Give Chad a Thank you. Cause that was that was weak trash. That last part. Cause if he, if the Cardinals if he was at the game he would be losing it. You know what I'm talking about? Right? I mean he would like yeah, take that. <laughs> now I know that some of you in the room are like, well I'm not you. I get it. You're not me. But it doesn't give you permission to not do what God has told you to do and to do it the way that God has helped you do it, that God will help you do it. Like, you don't have to be as excitable as I am, but you can smile. Can't we all smile? Everybody right now on the count of three. One, two, three, smile. Isn't that beautiful? It makes you feel so good, too, just smiling. Ah, I love that. So I'm just simply saying that if it's going to be worship, it has to be expressed. It just has to. It has to be expressed for it to be worship. Now, I probably got to end um, in a little bit. I want to read this this uh, this quote to you. Listen to this: Someone has noted that when we pray, we are preoccupied preoccupied with our need. When we praise, and give thanks, we're preoccupied with our own blessings. But when we worship, we are preoccupied only with God. Isn't that good? I thought that was such a powerful thought. And you know, throughout the Bible, there's all of these different words for worship. And I could go through them, and we could look at the Greek and the Hebrew. But I wanted to look at a word that is compounded. And it's an old English word that, that we get actually the word that we use today for worship. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this word, but the word is simply this. Worth ship. So we get the word worship from the word worth-ship. Now listen to that. Isn't that cool? Worth-ship. What does that mean? It literally means to give something worth. That you're coming to church and you're giving God worth. You're praising Him. And and here's the other thing. It, It means to be demonstratively To demonstratively attribute value, especially to God. And then watch this. In other words, we worship God by communicating and demonstrating his value. Did you notice in that? The only part of that that was about you was doing it. (laughs) Isn't that good? Like, I know. I'm totally wrecking some of your lives right now because you've always done it this way and i just want to say to you could you do it different? could you step out? i know that 69% of the people in this room hate change. i get it. by based on your personality, 69% of you hate change. but i'm asking you to consider changing. why? because i want you to change? no, because i want you to experience the father. i want you to experience the father in a new and different way. that's what i want. And so here's the thing. Jesus very clearly says to us that true worship requires all of me being lovingly expressed to God. That's what he says, right? When he says in Mark chapter 12 that we read, Mark chapter 12 verse 30, he says, You must love the Lord with all your, what? With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's a lot of all. All. And so we have to understand that that's what we come to when we come to worship. It's our heart. It's God's heart that we would express that to him. Now, I don't know if you know this, but as human beings, we are created as triune beings. Because, you know, the Bible says that we're created in the image of God. Well, if we're created in the image of God, then we're created like God. So that means if God reveals himself as triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then that means that we are as well. So if we are Father, Son, Holy Spirit, no we're not. If we are body, soul, spirit, which you've heard that language probably in the Bible, and you've also heard it in church, our position is to worship God with our body, our soul, which is the seat of our emotions, feelings, choices, all of that, and our spirit, which is the only thing that can contain God. The only thing that can receive and contain the very presence of God is your spirit. So all of those things are intended to be offered to God as a place of worship. And if there's a part of us, if it's my body, if it's my soul, my spirit, if one of those is disengaged, then the Bible would clearly say that it's not fully worship. And it's so important that we see this. Now, isn't it true, come on, do you guys like music? Isn't it true that music does stuff to you? Like, if you hear a song, right? If you hear a particular song, there's something that happens, right? It can transform you in, or transport you to somewhere different. Like, you know what I'm talking about? When you hear a song and it makes you think of your childhood and all of a sudden you're back there. Isn't it crazy how that works? Now, here, I'm going to play a song. And, and I want to see what happens in the room. Now, let it happen. All right? You agree? We're just going to let it happen. All right? So I'm gonna play a song, and I want to see what happens. All right, in the room now. Be honest. Let it go. All right. Just be honest. Don't be all like, "I'm in church. I can't." Act like if you heard the song out there. All right. All right. Let's play this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, See, see, that's what happens. That's what happens. All right, that's enough of that. God, God, I pray you'd sanctify this house again in Jesus name. But do you notice my point? It's like music moves our body. It makes us, I've been in places, that song comes on and everybody loses their mind. They're like, "Ah," and they run and they like get together. And all of a sudden they're like, (laughs) I mean, they're just doing their thing, man. And they're having a great time. All right, one more, one more. So, and I, I I want you to be honest about how this makes you feel and what it makes you want to do, do the whole thing. Just express yourself in Jesus' name. All right, go ahead. Let's play this one. Yes, yes, yes. You see? Yes. Okay, thank you. All right, that's enough. That's enough. You guys are having too much fun in church. You got to stop it. Man, every time Celine opens her mouth, it's like you want to cry. You know what I mean? She just, "Ah," and you're like, I just love it. I'm just so beautiful. So God. (laughs) What's my point? Is that music moves us. We should let music here move us. We shouldn't be afraid to worship God. Do you know the Bible says there's no fear in love? That we should never be afraid. And wouldn't it be amazing if we just decided, you know what, I'm tired of the world looking at me. Matter of fact, I don't even care what the world thinks of me. I don't even think what my spouse thinks of me right now. I don't think, you know what, I'm going to just do it. <laughs> now, I know that's too much for some of you, you might go here. You know, if you're not as bold yet, you might be here. Carry the, carry the microwave. You know what I'm talking about. But our God desires for us to express it, to love him, to to, to show him with our bodies, our minds, our souls, our hearts, our strength. All of that is what Jesus has called us to do. It's all encompassing. God is not interested in saving and redeeming a part of you. He's interested in saving and redeeming all of you. And that means your body, your mind, your spirit, your heart, everything. And when you finally get to that place where you realize that it's all his and I got to give it to him because he's worthy of it, then all of a sudden you stop worrying about what people think. Matter of fact, you stop worrying about what you think. And you start just simply believing that my job on this earth is to express my love to God the way that he wants me to do it. So here's my challenge for you as we go through the next few weeks. Try something you've never done before. Like, I'm not asking you to do 12. Just do one. Do one thing in expressing yourself to God that you've never done. Maybe you've never bowed in worship. Maybe you've never raised your hand. Maybe you've never came to a prayer meeting in your life. Maybe you've, you see what I'm getting at? Just try something new. And I'm going to be talking, matter of fact, I got two weeks on expressing yourself to God in this series. So we're going to talk about it. It's going to be great. But I'm just saying, try one thing new. Try one thing new. And if you're really bold, go three. I mean, go straight three. Do something crazy. And experience the Father in a way that you never had before. What a, what a glorious thing. Wouldn't, it be, wouldn't that be glorious? Let's pray together. God, we thank you that your word tells us That you love us. That you desire a relationship with us. And and guys, listen to this, listen to this. Jesus doesn't show up to church because he likes church. Jesus shows up to church because he loves you. God, would you help us to express that love back to you? Would you help us to love you in the way that you want to be loved? Would you help us to honor and love you that way, Jesus? That's what we need. And so, Father, would you help us do that? Now, just for a moment, I've talked a lot about worship and how we need to express our love to God, but one of the things that is so important that we see is that Jesus loved us first. The Bible actually tells us this. And, and, and Jesus didn't just say I loved you. But he expressed it. And you know how he expressed it? He expressed it by going to a cross. He expressed it by going to a cross on our behalf. Let me say that again. He expressed it by going to a cross on our behalf now I don't know if that's your story I don't know if you've ever heard that or if you've ever received that but I I feel that it's important that as we come to the end of this message that you would be given an opportunity to respond to the greatest love that's ever been expressed That's Jesus dying for your sins So that you could be restored back to the Father So that you could then express your love to Him Out of gratitude and gratefulness Because of His mercy And so if you're here today And that's not your plan Or I mean your story If that's not what you've experienced If you would say that I don't have that relationship with Jesus I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel What I'm going to ask you to do Is very simple Because the Bible says it this way. It says, if you will simply confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is and he's done what he says he's done. That he actually will come in and save you. He'll begin a relationship with you. He'll transform you from the inside out. And he'll do a work that you can't do on your own. And so what I'm going to ask you to do with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around, but I want to give you this opportunity. If if you're here today and you would say, I don't know that. If I died today, I I don't know that that's true. I just want to give you an opportunity to seal that today. And so in the name of Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something on the count of three. If this is you, just simply raise your hand up, okay? On the count of three right now, in the name of Jesus. One, two, three. Go ahead. Go ahead. God bless you. All right, church. If you're here today and that's your desire, there's nothing magical about this. It's just a faith step. If this is your heart, would you repeat this prayer in church? Let's all pray together so no one feels uh, isolated in this. So let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior Would you forgive me of my sins? I surrender my life to you. Will you be my Lord? Will you change me from the inside out? Show me my purpose. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate anybody that was coming into the kingdom of God? You know, the Bible says that all heaven celebrates and so we want to celebrate with you as well.